everyone, welcome into the another edition of the End Zone Podcast coming to you on a Thursday evening. This is WTOC Sports Director Jake Wallace. An all-college football edition here as we record on this Thursday night about 6.45 at the WTOC Studios here in Savannah. It was going to be a show all about Georgia Tech, Georgia Southern, and Georgia as South Carolina and Clemson are off this week before their Palmetto State showdown next week. Savannah State season coming to an end um, last week, and so... That's how the show was going to go. And then something happened today that I felt we needed to talk about. As the SIAC All-Conference football honors were revealed on Thursday afternoon. And, yeah, wow. Look, these things are always goofy. They're selected by the league's head coaches and sports information directors, which more often than not, a lot of the coaches just tell the SIDs, put my name on it, put whoever you want, that's fine. And it was not a complete waste of time for Savannah State. Einage Carter named the SIAC Freshman of the Year as well. He and seven other Tigers named to SIAC all-conference teams, including kicker Giovanni Lugo, who made the first team as a punter, second team as a kicker. Uh, Carter, of course, named the first team in punt returner position. Jonte Baker, a first team tight end in the all-SIAC team. Second team as well to Javius Jackson, Cameron Brown, Walter Yates, Niam Bozeman, and John Wilson all on the all-SIAC teams. And what I'm about to say, don't take anything away from those guys. They've absolutely earned it. And and they should be very proud of their accomplishments, proud of their awards. It is not easy to be named all-conference, regardless of where you play. So congratulations to those eight Tigers. But the fact, the fact that Sean Quinn is not the coach of the year, in, in what world is he not the SIEC Coach of the Year? The fact that running back D'Angelo Durham, who could have been the, the conference player of the year, not the offensive player of the year, not the newcomer of the year, the player of the year, he was nominated for that award, fit one of just a few backs in the conference to finish with over, over 1,000 yards, led the SIEC in rushing touchdowns, rushing yards, scoring, total points scored, total touchdowns, and was second in rushing yards per game. That dude didn't make the first or second All-SIAC team. How? Find me four running backs in this conference that played better than D'Angelo Durham did this year, and I will call you a liar because it's not possible. That dude deserves an apology. I said it on Twitter. I'm saying it now. Y'all need to apologize to D'Angelo Durham for leaving him off the All-SIEC team. Devon Gibbons, quarterback, nominated for SIEC Offensive Player of the Year, sixth in the conference in passing touchdowns, second in rushing touchdowns, second in scoring, also not on the list, also deserves an apology. This it's just a it's it's unbelievable. I mean, look, I understand there's a lot of stuff going on with Savannah State coming back to the conference. Savannah State coming down from Division One. Um, there's some old school rivalry here. There's some some pettiness, some some jealousy happening here. I believe there's probably a little bit of punishment from some of the old heads in the SIC that are gonna kind of uh, stick the knife in Savannah State for for leaving in the first place. 
And that's fine. You don't want to give them any credit at the front of the year. You didn't. You voted them last in the East Division. You didn't give them a table at SIAC Media Day. All that stuff, that's fine. But this team went out and balled this year. 5-0 and in the SIAC East. SIAC East champs crushed, crushed the two teams that were fighting for the, the final spot in the SIAC title game in the last week of the year. You can't tell me. You cannot tell me in any sane world that only eight players on this Savannah State team deserved all-conference honors, and you won't be able to convince me Sean Quinn is not the the SIAC head coach of the year. So for a team that had a chip on its shoulder and took all of that from the beginning of the year as disrespect and used it as motivation, 2020 is about to be really interesting because... These guys, Durham, Gibbons, Quinn, they don't forget anything. I've spoken to them enough to, to know none of this gets by them. They're not going to, they may not say anything publicly, but it's not going to get by them. And they're going to remember when they kick off in 2020. So I'm going to get off my soapbox. I'm going to get off my rant uh, table here, and we'll get to the college football that's happening this weekend, including tonight is Georgia Tech host NC State at Bobby Dodd Stadium, an 8 o'clock kickoff about an hour and a half, or about an hour and a half away in Atlanta. Tech 2-8 and eight, coming off an awful showing against Virginia Tech at home, but this is a chance, I think, for Tech to really show how much they've improved this season, this first year under head coach Jeff Collins. NC State is not going to set the world on fire. They have struggled offensively all year, gone through a number of quarterbacks, Gone through um, a ton of different, trying a bunch of different things. Not a whole lot's worked. And the Wolfpack, four and six entering tonight. So while Tech may not be going to a bowl, they might be able to spoil the season of the Wolfpack and also kick them to the curb and out of bowl eligibility as well. The other thing I think that's going to be interesting to watch tonight is the amount of local talent on both of these teams that will be on the field tonight, both NC State and Georgia Tech. Coming into tonight with three former Southeast Georgia football standouts. Um, so keep your eye out for those guys on uh, NC State and Georgia Tech. Um, I put out on Twitter who the, th- who the six guys are, so go check that out. But um, a little local flavor for a, a primetime ACC Thursday night game at historic Grant Field at Bobby Dodd Stadium as Georgia Tech tries to show off a little bit on national TV Uh, Maybe get some good vibrations going for the Yellow Jackets. Another team that could use some good vibrations, Georgia Southern. The Eagles got back on the winning track last week, 51-29 over ULM at home. And now they hit the road for Arkansas State, a perennial Sunbelt title contender. And once again, the Red, Red Wolves right in the thick of the West Division hunt. Now, the Eagles are right there in the East. They need a little help, but more than anything, they got to win out. they got to beat Arkansas State Saturday and then beat Georgia State the week after and hope somebody can, can rise up and knock off Appalachian State. For the Eagles to win this game, they got to take advantage of a Red Wolf defense that has not been very good this year. Now, they've done some things that have switched up a little bit, changed their front, um, Chad Lunsford and, and Shy Words talked about that a little bit earlier this week on what that presents. But you just look at the stats, and it's what you what you see is what you get. This Red Wolf defense, 
This Red Wolf defense, ninth, in, ninth out of 10 in total defense, ninth out of 10 in rushing defense, allowing 215 yards a, a game on the ground. They've allowed the most rushing touchdowns in the conference at 29. So you look at what Georgia Southern wants to do. They have to see that and, and think, okay, we've got an advantage there. Now, Arkansas State's a good offensive team. They've got one of the best receivers in the country. Omar Bayless on the outside leads the NCAA in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. He's their big play threat. He's the guy they're going to go to um, as often as they can on Saturday. Georgia Southern going to need that solid um, defensive back core they have to try and slow him down. You know, the Eagles are bowl eligible. They earned that last week with their win over the Warhawks, but a, a win on Saturday guarantees a winning season. Uh, the worst they could finish if they win Saturday is 7-5, and five, and so that's a big deal, I think, for, for a program as young as Georgia Southern is, or at least in their, in their FBS stage. Two consecutive winning seasons is nothing to scoff at. It hasn't been done uh, that much at the FBS level for the Eagles, and so guaranteeing another winning season is a good place to be, and uh, that's something that Georgia Southern can hang their hat on should they be able to beat the Red Wolves of Arkansas State Saturday in Jonesboro. A game we're going to have right here on WTOC, possibly a trap game for the Georgia Bulldogs as they host Texas A&M who comes in. There are only three losses this season to ranked teams. And, of course, Jimbo Fisher, their head coach, he's won a national title, one of the better coaches in the country. He's going to have his guys prepared as they come into Athens. Um, this is an improved A&M team. They look better uh, than they did than this team did when they played Alabama on, on CBS and 330 out in College Station. Um that you, you kind of know what you're going to get. Kellen Mond can play. He's their, their quarterback, dual threat guy. They're going to run the ball a lot. But Kellen Mond, when he's forced to throw it, when he needs to throw it, he can. Had a good performance against Auburn, uh, that really good Auburn defense a couple weeks ago, 335 yards through the air and a pair of touchdowns. So, look, Georgia should not lose to Texas A&M. They are a better football team than Texas A&M, but we've seen it just with this Georgia team this year. If they don't play well, Texas A&M is absolutely capable of walking into Athens and beating Georgia and ending any college football playoff talk right then and there. I think the dogs know that. I think that Kirby Smart has been saying all the right things lately. He talked about how emotional that win over Auburn was and uh now they, they've got to be able to refocus. They've got to be able to turn it back on. And, and Saturday at 3.30, when the ball is kicked, none of, that, none of that stuff you've already done matters. None of the stuff in front matters. Can Georgia simply focus on the 60 minutes in front of them against Texas A&M? If they do, I think they win. And then you move on to, to playing your rival Georgia Tech the next week and then LSU the week after that. But – You've got to get past this A&M team for all these things that you want in the future, the college football playoff, possible national championship run. All that ends if you don't beat A&M on Saturday. And so the Dogs have a tough test. I think they know what they're up against. I think they're most certainly up to it. Um, for Georgia, it's just going to be a matter of relying on that defense, making enough plays offensively. It's what they've done all year and not making a ton of mistakes. We've seen what happens to this Georgia Bulldog team if they make a ton of mistakes. 
So that's going to do it for this edition of the End Zone Podcast. Lindsay will be back uh, tomorrow to join me for a high school football playoff edition as we talk the 20 games that are happening with area teams of interest around Georgia and South Carolina. That'll be coming to you tomorrow afternoon. And, of course, the end zone will be coming at you at 11.20 tomorrow during the news at 11. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy the game tonight. Tech at NC State getting ready to kick off here in Atlanta. And then Georgia hosting A&M right here on WTOC at 3.30 on Saturday. Be sure to enjoy all the football. Be sure to tune in back to us tomorrow as we talk high school football right here on the End Zone Podcast. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon.